Greetings. This is Regina Roundtree with YouAreRemarkable.org, and you are listening to Mental Health 101, Lessons from a Survivor. We are having great, transparent, and profound discussions on the Clubhouse app, so please join us under the Kingdom Collaborative House every Thursday night at 9 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, let's get into our conversation. And for a long time, it was difficult to understand what healing meant, right? Um, because in what healing meant in the, in the Bible, especially for myself, right? When I was really working through uh, the severe childhood trauma that um, caused the uh, dissociation that happened in my life. And it's important to understand that there are different types of trauma and uh, I'm not licensed to like tell you all the different things about trauma, but what I do wanna say is when you have uh, extreme childhood trauma, when you have childhood trauma in your childhood, so during your formative years, um, especially any time before the age of five, it does a rewiring on your brain. It does, because the things they say medically that the things you need to learn about your whole entire life you earn by the time you're the age of five. So when you are experiencing the trauma or someone you know has as a child, um, it is different than when you experience trauma, say when you're 25 or 43 or even 19, because by then your personality, who you are, has already been developed and ingrained in you, right? And so the trauma may distort it, may make it hide, but that's different than when it happens during your formative years, because that really rewires. And sometimes we we only think of people being psychopaths, right? Because we, we've seen too many movies and they, they kind of dramatize uh, that. But, you know, all many people who have had early childhood trauma are not psychopaths, right? At least I don't think I am, right? Um, so the thing that was always difficult for me was to figure out what was healing, where did I need deliverance, and, and when was when was God going to do this for me, right? When was I going to be okay? And, you know, the thing that happens is that I, I had gotten saved when I was 13. And, um, you know, most of the, all of the trauma really that happened to me happened to me uh, before the, probably between three and seven years old. And it was regular and consistent and brutal. So, you know, by the time I was a teenager, I don't think, especially during the 70s, I was born in 1970, you know, the things that we understand about mental health, the way we advocate for it now is different. And even when you're dealing with mental health with children, sometimes you just think they're shy or they're quiet or, you know, uh, they're just going through an awkward stage, right? And so all of those kind of labels had been put on me. Uh, I wasn't um, violent or angry, you know, 
burning cats and, and doing things like that, that, that wasn't the way that, um, that I manifested my trauma. I kind of really kept it to myself. So when I was 13, I got saved and completely did not understand what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. Cause I got saved in a, uh, um, it was a Christian school. So what we would understand it more like a more Southern Baptist, very conservative Baptist Christian school that was in like a basement of a church. Right. And so they had summer camp before you started school. So you went to summer camp for a week. And so, uh, you know, during one of the campfires, I gave my life to God. Now I had aunties who would take me to church and they were Pentecostal. So, you know, that's church all day on Sunday, Wednesday night, Thursday, Saturday morning things. And so um, many times they would pick me up and take me to church with them. And I remember, you know, being in prayer services with them. I remember dancing around the front of the church as a little girl and falling asleep on the pew and it was hot and they were fanning you. I'm sure many of you may remember, may remember that right and um and how that and how that was so by the time i was 13 now i i had been uh, very much sexually abused and so when they said that this man jesus loved me and was going to take care of me and was going to save me i was like well what does that look like? Because my interactions with a male authority, I'm sure did not mirror what Jesus meant. But at that time, nobody knew what I had gone through. So it wasn't like, you know, I had a, a, a postcard on my head that said, hey, you know, I've been, you know, severely sexually abused and involved in cults. And so can you please explain to me what Jesus is supposed to do? So it was, it was weird to me reading about a man who was supposed to love me. Um, so let me fast forward and, and I, I traveled through different uh, religious circles and, you know, uh, when you can get in, and I went back into my Pentecostal where my, my aunties were, but this was now like the more charismatic. So it's now the, let's see, early nineties, right? And so um, you had a, a very black charismatic uh, type church and they didn't necessarily meet, you know, six days a week, but there was still the running around. But then now uh, we're just beginning to come out with the apostolic and the prophetic, like John Eckhart's book came out maybe a few years after this time. So think about that time if you're kind of familiar with, with modern Christianity and what was going on then. And so by the time I got into these circles, it was like, well, why aren't you filled with the Holy Ghost, right? And why aren't you speaking in tongues? And then it began that people, you know, they would have prayer services and they saw demons in me. And so I'm just like, well, I'm saved. Um, I'm saved. And what does that mean? Like, what what do you mean because i mean i went to christian schools but i went to these white you know evangelical baptist christian schools they were not talking about tongues they were not 
you know, talking about demons. I did memorize a lot of scripture, so I had the word in me. I knew how to find, you know, passages and and read. So I had knowledge of what salvation, what God looked like, but I didn't understand anything about healing or deliverance. And you know, when they when it's time for a prayer and they and whoever believes that you, you know, you have demons in you and it needs to be cast out. No one sits you down and explains to you what that means, right? They, I mean, we do more explanation about coming to Jesus than we do before we do a deliverance service. And so I'm not here to talk about tongues and deliverance services and whatever. What I'm trying to show you is I was looking for healing but so far, nothing was explained to me on what healing meant, right? How healing uh, could, could give me the freedom that I was looking for. And so I would read, you know, the New Testament. And some of you may have heard that I loved the Old Testament. I, I absolutely fell in love with Exodus because I truly liked the idea of deliverance. Like, okay, God, he, he took this whole nation and he, he took them out and he brought them in and he, he crossed them through the Red Sea and, and now they're free. I'm like, oh, I get that. I can understand that. Right. Um, and so, I, I would study the Old Testament a lot and, and looking for that way of deliverance. But, you know, most of the time, at least during that time, there was all the teaching about healing in the New Testament. And so I want us to kind of dig through some of the typical, not and I don't mean typical as in standard, but some of the stories we think about when we think about healing in the New Testament and really kind of look at that and see how it transfers over to mental health, right? Because I think in places that it, it does not. But then what we will do in the second part of our conversation is we're going to go into the Old Testament. And if any of you seen the meme or listened to the reel that I did about dysfunctional families, when we start looking at some of the biographies and autobiographies of people in the Old Testament, we're going to be like, wow, mental health shows up all over the place. So before I continue any further i'd love to hear from the platform um from felicia and then robert about what is healing what does healing look like to you before you understood it now right because you may understand it now different than you did before so felicia can you share about that yes absolutely absolutely so um healing looked so much different than it looks now to me um Back then, I never considered myself fully healed. I always thought that there was something wrong with me. And um, I, can, I can absolutely relate in the trauma, how it affects you as a child. And I remember always wanting God to heal me and deliver me from what I was going through. And it was almost like I was exchanging, if God, you do this for me, I'll do this. Or looking for a blessing, looking to be just completely just whole and just walk out feeling great. Um, and that's what healing was. That's what I thought healing was to me. I never really, um, you know, thought that I could actually be healed 
and that the word of God could, you know, heal me in a, in a way. And I didn't think about that before. It was almost like I was just chasing the want to feel better, the not wanting to be like this. I wanted to be different. I wanted to be what God wants me to be, but I was doing it my own way. I was expecting to be healed in my own way. And um, the type of father that we serve, you know, the way that he heals, I mean, he, he does it all the way through. And for me, I wasn't looking at it like that. I was looking at it just in the sense of, I heard about healing. I heard that God can heal. You know, I believe that he can heal me, yet I'm expecting it to be this way. I'm expecting him to heal me in this matter. I'm expecting to feel better tomorrow. I should wake up feeling better tomorrow. And that wasn't realistic. It was not realistic compared to now. I understand now what healing is. I understand how putting my faith and my belief and putting everything into my father and, and, and just surrendering and yielding to him for everything that I need and believing that I'm healed, believing that I am walking whole. It's so much more different now. So there was definitely a transition. And, and again, I, I really like what you said um, when you were talking about, you know, you were looking for that, uh, when would you be healed and when would God deliver you? And, and that's something that I did a lot. You know, I, I thought that me doing all the good works I was doing was going to cause me to be healed, that I was going to attain those blessings in that way. And, and I know that the father, he does, our father does bless us. Our father is there. And he is, you know, of course, but uh, there are processes to everything. And, uh, you know, I'm walking my process out just like we all are. Uh, but I understand the healing is very much so different now. And uh, from now, from then to now, a complete, complete, complete change. So, yeah, that's my share. That, that was a really good word. Thank you. Great. Robert, you want to share? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely enjoying the conversation. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, no healing for me. Uh, I like to always connect healing to, or how healed I am with how open I am to move forward. Uh, I learned that every time that there's a situation in my life, like my dad uh, passed, for example, when he passed away. Uh, you know, of course, I needed to grieve, uh, and, uh, and and of course, nobody when I when a family was passed away, family, a parent. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to go through. Uh, but one thing that God was blessing me to see is my healing journey and me being healed. I got to do it for yes myself, but also for my family. And I got a saying that I that I. Uh, that I say, which is the highest expression of a healed heart is to move forward. So, because it's so easy to be stuck, especially in the body of Christ. It's so easy to stay stuck in your trauma and just put a scripture on it and be like, well, this is just not my season to be healed, so I'll be okay. And we kind of just write off our trauma, our fears, and the fact that you stuck in resentment for five and six years as well, I'm just not healed. But is that true? Uh, and like the word of God says, examine yourself, whether we're in the faith. And I really believe that when you, I mean, we all go through stuff, uh, you know, uh, different people go through different things. Uh, but I learned that the person who has the faith and courage to say, you know what, 
I see that this area in my life is causing me to perceive every opportunity in front of me as a roadblock. I need to deal with that. Like whether I got to get with a pastor, I got to get with a therapist, but, but this is not healthy for me. I think that is the healthiest place to be at where you see a problem and you genuinely want to confront it versus just throwing a scripture on it. Um, so yeah, so that's my thoughts. Thank you, brother. Pastor Derek, we won't throw you in the fire just yet because I know you just joined us. So we're going to continue and then uh, we'll come back to you so you can you can kind of hear where we are. And so um, if anyone in the audience, if you have a thought or a comment, you've been here and you've kind of he heard how we started and where we're going. If you want to comment on that or have a question, uh, please raise your hand and we will gladly bring you up to the platform. And I know some of the mods will be inviting uh, some of you up to the platform. So <clears throat> let's go into um, Coach C. Uh, we're about to go into John, but did you want to comment something on healing? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. All right. So here we are. And... Uh, if you just joined us, thank you so much for joining us. And we're having this conversation about healing. And um, I began to share just what healing, what the journey for healing looked like to me. And it wasn't really till I got into my 20s when I realized that maybe something was wrong. And I, I've been talking about, you know, what happened when I went into the church and how they wanted to to deliver the, the demons from me, but no one explained to me what that meant. All right. Um, it would, and I think when you, when they don't understand, cause there was no, there was no name tag on me to say, listen, I have been severely abused as a child. I have multiple personality disorder. Um, I got saved when, I mean, none of that happened, right? And the thing is, is that I'm not saying that I don't doubt that there were some demons there, but, um, and I don't, and I'm not debating whether or not people in the spirit can see those things. But I feel like if you can see those things, then you should also do it with wisdom, right? That there there ought to be questions that you're asking and not assumptions that are made because we tend to just look at mental health healing like like the blind man getting his eyes back or the lame man picking up his bed and walking you know or the person uh, the 10 lepers being healed you know or the woman with the issue of blood we look at all of this and think that okay that is exactly how healing is supposed to look because that's how we see it there. And, and it's, and it's not necessarily the case because, and I'm talking from my experience, I'm not trying to give you theological, whatever. I'm just sharing with you transparently the journey that I took and the questions that I asked. So I know that if I ask these questions that many other people have asked the same type of questions. So, you know, the thing with even uh, the deliverance 
is that what I learned later, like that happened, like maybe in my late thirties, early forties, still living with this, not getting any treatment for it, very high functioning, um, was that when I was in a safe place and, and God began to reveal some things to me because I was reading different books, I realized that during the childhood time, I had shared with you guys that uh, a certain particular person who abused me regularly was into satanic ritual abuse, into the occultic. So I was there. What I realized through the Holy Spirit and much later in my maturity with Christ was that I had been involved in committing covenants and crimes and abuses. And I had made deals with the devil, if you will, and as a child, but they still were done. And those things were made over me. Now, is, is the blood able to cleanse? Absolutely. But there's a confession of the, the soul and the understanding. There's cleansing that needs to happen, right? We would tell anybody, if, if they're having a sickness or disease or, you know, demonic activity in their house and we say, well, what's in your house? And like, oh, well, I have a Ouija board and I have this and I burn sage and I, we'd be like, oh, you got to get that out first. Like you got to get rid of that. You've got to break those covenants. You've got to, you know, you, you've got to break the connection with that. You have to disown it. Well, no one had said to me that there were things that I needed to sever and break because currently in my life as a 20, I was not doing any of those things. I was not drinking. I was not drugging. I was not, um, you know, prostituting anything like that. And so, but yet I still had these doors that were open that weren't revealed to me till later. And so it's like, when we look at this man in, in John five, um, who had been having the sickness, um, was it 38 years? Yeah, 30 and eight years, he would had an infirmity and he had been a long time in that case. And the thing that, that um, Jesus asked him is, will you be made whole? And now I've seen lots of conversations about the difference between healing and wholeness. And when I've done some study on it, it's interesting to find that there are times when Yeshua says, thy faith has made thee whole. Even though physically they had been healed of something, it was their faith that made them whole. And that, that just really, it really blew my mind. I was like, well, well, there's a difference there. But how do we, okay, well, I'm like, all right, I want to be whole then. I, I want to be whole. I, I, I don't want any of this anymore. And you can do the fasting and the praying and did layers come off? Definitely. Were there times that there were things that happened instantly for me? Yes, and I'll share those later because there's a lot of those stories, right? Especially when I talk about the fact that um, I had multiple personalities that were living my different lives and being able to come to the place where we're um, unified and in agreement and in peace in my mind and in my life. That, that's a, a whole complicated thing. 
right? And so when we look at people in the church that have mental health, whether even if it's depression, even if it's postpartum depression, anxiety, stress, even if you experience it for only a moment, you know, for a week, or um, as Robert shares about how it really shook him when his father died, the, the way that we think that we should just say, well, Jesus can heal you and you, you should be healed. Or you just need to read your Bible more. You just need to fast. You just need to pray more and everything is going to be okay. And we don't, I don't know that we see that in the New Testament because it, it's so varied in the way that he healed people. Remember the, uh, the, man, the, the um, man that was blind and Yeshua spit in his face on his eyes. And when he, Yeshua told him to look up, when he looked up, he said he saw men as trees walking. And then Jesus laid hands on him and then his eyesight was restored completely. That's interesting. You know, when we think about the child, now this is a child, so different than an adult who had, who was deaf and dumb and, and he'd have the seizures that threw him into the fire and into the water and his disciples couldn't get it out. And so Yeshua spoke to him. Everything was better. He was healed. Now I wonder, was he whole? I mean, the idea that if you've as a child been not able to speak, not able to talk, the kids probably made fun of you. You couldn't read, you couldn't understand the Torah. I don't know if people could teach you to read at that stage, right? And so you've been burned, you've Elvis been drowned, you've been thrown on the floor and everyone has kind of given up. And so now no more seizures, you can hear and you can talk. But does that mean that your whole soul and your whole psyche are immediately perfect like a newborn babe? And these are hard questions to grapple with. And so it's not that I, I expect us to come away today, at least with a complete answer, but I hope that it'll broaden the way that we think about mental health, the way that we think about the conversations we are or are not having in church and that we should have them. So before I continue, like I, I'd love to hear if anyone has any thoughts or questions that they wanna to add to this. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll say this. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, pleasure to be able to get in and, and join in, in the conversation. Um, when we look at the healings that Jesus did, uh, he didn't use a prescribed method when he healed. Knowing that we as humans, if we notice a pattern, if we notice a prescribed method, we would do just that. And the problem with that is we would do it devoid of God. We wouldn't rely on him listening to him jesus gave us the key to his power he gave us the key to his effectiveness he says i only do what i see my father doing i only say what he tells me to say that was a key that he gave us but if we if jesus healed the same way every time 
we would take that prescribed method and we wouldn't pay God any attention. And that's the way we go about healing people. Instead of listening to what God is saying in that time to do what is appropriate based on God's instructions. And that's something humans try to figure out how we do this thing independent of God. That's our biggest problem. Started in the garden, Adam and Eve. They tried to be independent of God. They wanted the same power, but they wanted to be independent of him. So we still we still wrestle with this. Jesus didn't heal the same way because he knew us. He knew what we would do. Because people still do that to this day. If there's a prayer, say somebody prays a prayer, and based on the prayer, something happens. They see some kind of success or some God moves. People will try to pray that same prayer every time. It becomes a ritual. It becomes this thing because that's that's our, that's how we are as humans. When the reliance is on Him, and we got to keep that in mind, it's about hearing Him, doing what He says. That's where the effectiveness comes in. So I just wanted to share that real quick. I'll end the plan. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Derek. Anyone else? Any questions or comments in the audience? I'm checking the chat. I don't see anything. Yeah, I, th I think uh, what you said was really good, and I, I agree with uh, Pastor Derek. Um, I think when we look at uh, Jesus, uh, he healed. Uh, he when he healed people was, it was everything he did was different because he didn't want us to limit um, limit him and what he could do. Um, especially when the bird, when the word of God says all things are possible with God, what seems impossible with man is possible with God. So oftentimes we can limit him and we can put uh, you know uh, the Lord in the box. And so um, I I just wanted to say as. I've got a, just a couple of seconds to, to, to share that I'm in total agreement with uh, what uh, Pastor Derek was saying. Um, it was so true. And a lot of what she shared, uh, Regina, uh, was really good as well. Can I say this real quick based on what Ken was saying, how we put him in a box. This was the issue with Lazarus, with his sisters Mary and Martha, when Jesus purposely stayed behind to let Lazarus die and actually let the time pass that people believed a person could actually be resurrected. Because when he showed up, they told him, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. So they had already said, we are familiar with you as a healer. But the resurrector, they weren't familiar with. So Jesus had to reveal another part of his glory in that situation. He let it go as bad as it did so that people wouldn't limit him and box him in. And that's key to remember. That's key. That's very important. Um, also, I want to um, say listening to all the shares and then what you just said, Regina, it, it made me really think about um, the, like the blind man that you were talking about 
it really and putting God in a box um I believe to take God out of that box is is truly having faith and believing believing that God can do it uh I really believe that it comes down to believing that God can do it um look at the woman with the issue of blood right she had this this issue for a long time she dealt with it for many years and she had been through many doctors i think it was 11 or 12 different doctors that told her each one told her that they had the cure for what she was going through and every time there was every time she got to the doctor there was no cure and she went through that 11 to 12 times and she was rejected considered an outcast and she had to believe you know when she heard about jesus she decided to go in and press into the crowd which back in those days you couldn't with it, a woman with the issue of blood you couldn't touch anybody. Anything that you touched or sat on was considered unclean. So the amount of faith and belief that she had to just touch his garment and she would be healed. And she did that. And she was healed. But it took her faith and her belief not putting God in a box. And she could have easily put him in a box because she had been through so many doctors. She had been through so much already. She had already been in a quarantine for many years. And she could have done that, but she didn't. She, what she did is she pressed into God and she believed. And I know that from my own experience, I know in the past, like I believed, but I also had a, the, the, but the B U T, you know, the, well, but this and, but that, and I don't know, because I feel like this and everything was a feeling because of course it was my mental. So, and everything was a feeling, but see, you know, faith is more than feeling. God said, walk by faith and not by sight. And so faith plays such a big key. It, it plays such a big role. And it's it's the belief that you have. And a lot of a lot of our biblical leaders, you know, a lot of them had this faith or they just believed and could kept pressing in. And I'm not saying that you're not believing hard enough if, if you're still struggling or going through something. But what I'm saying is that there's a difference. There's a major difference. So yeah, that that's definitely good, uh, Regina, and all the shares. Thank you. Anyone else? Not forcing you, but okay. We'll keep talking and then just flash your mic if something comes to you as we're having a discussion. Um, we enjoy the back and not the back and forth as far as bickering, but uh, when something comes to you and I've said something, if you want clarification, um, definitely, definitely flash your mic and ask questions in the chat or raise your hand be glad to bring you up so I mean the that's a good example with a woman with the issue of blood because when you read the when you read the story about her which happens to be in more than one gospel I believe you'll see that when she touched him she felt in her body that everything dried up so we would probably say at that point that she was healed but notice she said that if she touched him, she would be made whole. And then when Jesus, when Yeshua actually addressed her and he said, thy faith has made thee whole, go in peace and be whole of thy plague. So I know that there's something to wholeness and I, I've been talking to, <laughs> I've been talking to God about this, my creator, you know, so for 35 years or so, 
because for so long, I mean, I was in church, I knew the word, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and yet there was all these repercussions that were happening, right, because of the mental health. Now, for some people, the, the repercussions of the pain can be anger, and then you try to soothe it, or loneliness or depression, and you try to soothe it. And so maybe you try to soothe it with drugs, which then creates another set of problems for you. And so trying to heal yourself, you can get yourself into a bunch of sin where there are repercussions for that. And our God is gracious. And will he forgive you? Absolutely. But there are stuff that we reap because of things that we've sown. And we can say, well, you know, I... I was just going through a whole lot then. And that doesn't stop the sowing, right? That, that doesn't stop the reaping. If it's been planted, normally it's going to sprout up and take root and grow. Now, if it's something that's not good, we can pull it up young. But if we don't know, it might take root and then it, it might be a strong tree by the time isn't there's a, a verse in the bible right that says um oh no it's not in the bible i'm oh, sorry it was said by frederick Douglass, and he was saying it was easier to bend uh, to correct young men than it is to oh now i gotta find it but he, what he was saying is when you get older you're a full-grown tree and you can't bend you can't correct but when you're young a young man as a child it's easier to bend and to pull and so it's that idea of what I was referring it to is that when you're able to stop the repercussions when you're able to to fill the gap to bring healing and wholeness to yourself not you don't bring it to yourself when you accept it that you can begin eventually to stave off all the repercussions so even if you've had bad credit they say it takes at least seven years of work to like get yourself into a place where you have good credit. Even if you stop doing all the bad things, it's there's still a ripple effect. Yes, King Derek, go ahead. No, I was going to say Frederick Douglass may have said that, but it's, it is definitely a biblical principle, what he stated. Definitely a biblical principle. That's what the whole born again, come as a child is about. That's what the whole thing is about. Just want to say that real quick. Thank you for that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna find that quote in between our uh, discussions here because it it just had always stuck with me about and he said it so eloquently, right? Um, he said it he said it so eloquently. Um, so we're talking here about mental health. Let me just reset the room uh, very quickly for those of you who have just joined us. We're having this conversation about uh, mental health 101. And we're looking at kingdom principles that we can apply to our lives, not only just to help ourselves, but to help our loved ones, uh, to help our friends, our coworkers. Even if you are a leader, these conversations are designed to give you insight. And I've always put myself 
out there as don't be scared to ask me a question because you you know sometimes you you want to ask someone a question who's going through something and you you feel like you can't but you'd really love to know right so you know you can ask me any question and I, I will I will honestly answer you honestly you know about that and as we continue to have these rooms and have these discussions you'll hear more and more of my story as it applies but I share it as an example uh, not so we can throw darts at it and say oh she did this right and did this wrong but for it to be tangible real expression of a person who was really really messed up and diagnosed as such and could come to this place where I am now and what's interesting is that I still struggle with saying I'm healed because um, I did a meme and a quote that said um, you know your wounds are not things you should show to the world but your scars those are beautiful and what I meant was that when you're still wounded that's not the time to put memes up to go on Facebook to to share your story to because you notice you ever been in a testimony session when someone is sharing and their pain just pours everywhere and you feel that pain and you almost feel like you have to shake it off like shake it out of the room and that's part of the reason that we're really careful about testimonies and the way we are in this room in particular because pain is infectious and contagious and it hurts right and and we can all hurt hearing it and not that it shouldn't be poured out there's a way to pour it out to to the father and that was you know a very interesting part of the journey which I'll, I'll talk about another time but what I want to get to or, or what I was saying is that um, saying that I am healed people would have discussions with me see me talk to me work with me um, and just go oh it's amazing Regina what you've been through and and look at you now look at now and I notice that there are times if something bumps up against me a little bit too hard it hurts you see a scar there but it's still a little bit tender underneath but not to the point that I can't be out in public you know what I mean I mean you'd have to punch it that's what I'm saying you know like it's you'd have to like really punch that wound hard unless you're someone that I trust and isn't that interesting it I can be out in the public space and hear things and people treat me ways or, or do things or I read things about you know what people have to say about people that have walked through some of the journey or are still in the journey and the trust issues or the shame or whatever yeah I've come this far that it's it's the scars are, are hardened some of them have blended in now you can barely see them um, some other ones are probably <clears throat> more recognizable but you wouldn't know that unless you spend time with me right and so it's the people that we let in our inner circle right and somehow when they throw a jab man that thing hurts right in a much more different way 
And so um, healing, it's, it's just that it, it is so hard to try to identify what that means when it comes to mental health, because even in your physical body, you know, I have a friend, she, she, um, breast cancer was in her family and, um, she had a mastectomy and now all the cancer is gone, but the way that her body looks is she healed. She's healed. The cancer is gone, but the mental strain of how she looks about herself, how she feels, how her husband may feel about her, you know, whether or not she, if she had children, could she breastfeed them any, you know, so healing, I've tried to come to this place that I don't know that I completely understand what that word means, but I do believe that if you're walking with peace of mind and not in pain, that's a good way to define healing, right? Because, and it could be some people like to say, oh, you're just, you're on your healing journey. But somehow we have a feel like, well, when am I going to get to the end? When am I going to arrive? And maybe that's foolish to like try to hope for that, right? But we do, we like, there's always some end goal. We want to, we want to arrive somewhere. We want to get somewhere. We want to be able to, to put a flag down and say, I'm healed, nothing else. But that may not necessarily be true. And there could be things, <clears throat> especially in the, in the type of situation that um, I've walked through, that there have yet to be situations that are going to bring up something that I've never faced before. And that could knock me off my feet. Because, you know, one of the things that happens with dissociative identity disorder is amnesia. And I've shared with you guys how I've been married and divorced three times. And each of those husbands are absolutely completely different. And there were stages and pieces of my life that I just do not remember. My family, I remember even when I was a teenager, my brother and my mom would be like, oh, you remember when we did this and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Regina, you remember? And I'd be like, no, they had no, I mean, I mean, my mom did know to a certain degree what happened. And, you know, she, she divorced my father and moved us out of the house and things like that. But no one had any idea of the depth then, you know? And so it was, there's just so much that I don't remember. And I've talked to God about that. It's been like, well, if I'm healed, shouldn't I remember everything? Shouldn't I know everything? Shouldn't I have all the memories come back? And he was like, no, no, <laughs> you don't need to remember everything to move forward. You don't need to remember everything, right? I see you, King Ken, I'm coming just a minute. You don't need to remember everything. So it's like, well, okay. But then it felt like there were gaps that I just could not address. And so how do you walk with, with that and it, it required such a deep trust in my creator that you just don't even understand so let me pause here go ahead king ken i actually didn't realize we had that button to us or king derek do it but um 
you you said a lot of things because it's interesting. I've got a lot of family over here, as everyone knows, that uh, from overseas, and I had to drive down the road just to listen to 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 the speech, and I'm so glad that I did. Uh, because I'm with some family members, we're about the same age, and uh, I don't remember a lot of things in my childhood, but they remember a lot of things that they're very scarred from. And a lot of it, what they had to share with me, which I I started to believe that they haven't still even been healed from it, had, had things to do with the way that I used to treat them. And I wasn't even aware of what some of the things that I did but it had become very much an issue that when they saw me and we haven't seen each other for about 10 or 12 years, they, you know, don't get me wrong, we love each other and everything else, but there are some things, uh, they still had some emotional scars or uh, ver- things that were like verbally, uh, things that I said verbally to them that were quite damaging. And when you look at the word, you know, death and life is in the power of the tongue, um, you know, uh, as much as we've had an enjoyable time, I'm, I'm kind of sitting there listening to their stories, and I'm going, really, wow, you know. And um, when you were starting to talk, talk, uh, talk, you know, I, I, you know, I'm part of my healing. You know, when I when I've been listening to a lot of the churches, a lot of them used to say, you know, fake it until you make it, and I and I listened to a lot of that fake it until you make it stuff. I never really believed it. And a lot of times we just want a quick fix, you know. Uh, we don't want to, we don't want to submit to any processes, you know. Uh, that we just want a quick fix, and then we start to, we start to say, "Yeah, I'm healed and healed." But then, a lot of times when things, words, specific words are brought up, they react and they react to a situation that they just claimed they were healed, but they weren't because you can tell by the way they reacted to what you said, and. You know, and uh, I've actually been learning a lot about uh, myself and some of the things that I did as a child what that were unknowing to me. But when they started speaking it to me, I started to go, I started to remember. And I said, oh, my gosh. It was like that, like what they were sharing to me, I wasn't aware of it because no one spoke about it. But then it brought an awareness that some things like, you know what, I kind of remember that story. And, um, but the, it, it, it was clear to me that a lot of them hadn't been totally healed. And a lot of times I, even in clubhouse and a lot of churches, I hear people say, I'm healed in Jesus name. I get the, I understand the, the positivity that they wanted. You use it like some kind of positive affirmation and I'm healed and everything else. But a lot of times I, I really felt that a lot of them even didn't believe that they were healed, even though the word of God says certain things i just don't even though sets people say some things i still think a lot of people don't even believe that they are healed so um i don't know i just wanted to share that because i'm actually experiencing that um now with some family members uh and i'm not saying there's any, there has been any conflict discussing this we've just been discussing some things because they know where i'm with god and some of them are but just to be able to discuss this about 10, 15 years later as mature people, where we were and where we are today, I think this um, subject that we're talking about is very interesting. Thank you for that. Go ahead. Um, I see Queen Shonda, and then I'll go to King Derek. Oh, I, I hate to sidestep King Derek. Um, 
Thank you, Queen Regina. This has me thinking about a lot of things. Um, Yeah, uh, the question, I don't know if you can hear me. The question of what is healing is such a profound question. Um, King Ken gave me an opportunity to tell my testimony a couple of weeks ago. And um, every time I think about what I went through, (laughs) I get a little emotional about it. And I think the reason why is because there was trauma that I was unable to express in the midst of my trial. Um, I have two small sons and a mother that had a stroke and then I had a stroke a year after her and I had to stay strong in the face of my family and I had to come home and resume my motherly duties but no one really inquired about my mental health. How was I dealing with the challenges? What was I feeling about what had happened to me? And sometimes that can be difficult because it almost made everyone around me feel as, well, it made me feel as if everyone around me didn't expect me to have any real feelings about it at all. It was either one extreme or the other, I'm, I'm going to completely fall apart, you know, and I had a lot of spectators. And so I, I thank God for rooms like this that allow us to really explore the various experiences and feelings that we have as we go through things in life from a biblical perspective and a realistic perspective. Because it's painful. It's it's painful when someone doesn't take the time to check on your mental health through something. Just asking, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Um, I said things in the midst of my pain that affected my family, and I had to address that. (laughs) But nobody asked me how I was feeling. And so I... I, I, I'm thankful right now. I'm, I feel like God has been purging a lot of those emotions out of me so that I can continue to heal. Healing, I feel, is a, is a process for me. I, I can't speak for everyone, but it has definitely been a process. My healing has come in stages, and, and I just thank God for his presence in my life to strengthen me to take each phase as it comes and rejoice as I continue to improve. Thank you for just sharing for a moment. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Crane. Go ahead, King Derek. Go ahead. Yeah, first of all, let me say, sister, you never have to apologize for that. Um, <laughs> I'm real easy about that. So don't even worry about that. Uh, thinking about something you said and something that Ken said, 
I think about when God, when you say people, um, people weren't aware. He said people, he wasn't aware that people were was carrying this hurt. And you said people never checked on you. I think God purposely tells us to say something. In Ken's case, God says, if you have ought against your brother, go to your brother. And I think he says that because the more we hold on to it, the worse off we are. Because how many times do we tell somebody something they did to us and they are not they don't even know? It's like Ken said, he did he wasn't even aware of it. But they were and they held it. And the thing, the problem is when you hold that stuff in, it only deteriorates you. It, it gets worse the, the longer you hold it. And I believe that's why he said he tells us to talk about it. Confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. I think that's why he says that. Because, Sister Chandra, in your case, you said nobody checked on me. Nobody, it's, it's like they didn't even think you were phased by it. What is wrong with saying, hey, y'all, I'm not handling this well. Can somebody help me? Why can't we say that? Because people come up with their own assumptions in their head. And a lot of times, like you said, you had to be strong. Well, maybe you just did a good job of looking strong to the point to where they say, <laughs> oh, she fine. But that's the, that's the thing that that's a problem with us. That's that whole survival of the fittest thing. You know, that whole, you know, animals in the wild, they don't show their hurt because if they do, they're easy prey. I, we got to be careful about that. And especially this is why it's so important to have trusted family and friends and i'm not just talking about people you just grew up in the house with i'm talking about people who can relate to you people that you know care about you people you know love you so that you can have somebody to say i am tore up right now will you just talk to me just for a minute because the longer we hold that in it just gets worse and it can manifest physically as well there are physical ailments that can come from the stuff that we're holding in but I was listening, it's like, did it ever, was it ever, a thought ever crossed your mind? Just tell them, just tell them I'm not okay. Because maybe somebody would have said, oh, I didn't realize that. And then it would have saw about you. And I know this is all hindsight, so I'm speaking for anybody who's in this situation right now. Say something. If somebody offends you, if somebody has done something to hurt you, say something. Now, if you say something and then they say, so, I don't care, now that's a whole nother issue. But to sit and hold that in because you're you just hurting without speaking up and saying something, uh, we have, I think God, that's what I think that's why God tells us to speak up and say something. Go to your brother if you have ought against your brother. Confess your faults one to another so that you can be healed. Because that holding it in, I think, makes it worse. We got to be careful about that. I know it's risky. I know, trust me, I know it's risky to, to open up and tell people. That's why I say 
before you go through things, map out your trusted people. Map them out. I got I got friends right now. I know it came down to it. I could go right to them. We we supported each other through through different challenges of life that you know each one of us have gone through. So I know, and it it gives me some 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 peace about things that I may encounter. I say this, and I'm I'm done. Friend of mine, he was in the military, had PTSD. Um, so the VA sent him to talk to a counselor and the counselor told him, uh, cause he asked the question about how do people come back from mental issues? And he said, the counselor told him, it's not so much about the person, but it really about their support system. It's something about having the right people around you connecting with good people that can listen to you because wounds have to be aired out wounds need air from time to time because when you cover them and you keep covering them they just fester underneath that covering and they get worse they need air so you have to air it out but I just thought about that as, as the both of you all were talking. I land the plane. I'd like to jump in if I may. Definitely, King Coach, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I like to touch on on um, something you said in the in the outset when you was sharing your story. Um and I totally agree, uh, Derek, about having people around you. But but when you're three, when you're four, when you're five, when you're ten, you're twelve, and you're thirteen, and you're experiencing this this type of trauma, you know you're very limited in your ability to one recognize or even acknowledge the people that may be around you, let alone know if they're even safe or not, because you're still growing. So you're not mature enough to process your surroundings. Um, all you know is that this very bad thing has happened to you. And then you go into these range of emotions um, that scares the people around you. Now, people are there, don't get me wrong, uh, your church, your community, your your family, but you're blind to all of that. Your pain, your hurt, your trauma has blinded you to any type. Matter of fact, I would argue that you don't even want people around you. You don't even want to be here anymore. And so, the approach for someone that is younger has is completely different than the approach for someone who is older who can recognize those systems the same rejection can occur regardless of the age of the person but it's the awareness that changes and i think you know a conversation like this is very critical 
um, and should be mandatory um, in churches, should be mandatory in schools, it should be mandatory in life because this, so many people have been left behind in this search and discovery mode and then we and we think they just crazy but we left them we we left them there is no manual to teach someone who has endured that type of trauma at that age and if we're not intentional as as a community you know so i think like this just this room is so intentional it's so necessary this this room is on the cutting edge of of helping the most vulnerable I, and look how, how few people are in this room i mean we're talking about something on the cutting edge a conversation that's on the cutting edge of bringing hope to the most vulnerable in the world and yet we only have a few people in the room yeah it's sad chandra it's very very tragic, but I'm hopeful because people like Regina, who God has restored, people like Felicia, who God has restored, people like King Ken, who God has restored, people like King Derek and King Robert, whose God has restored. So I'm hopeful that this remnant of people God can use to champion those underserved that are still struggling I mean, we, 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 we're, we're not out the dark, but our wounds have healed. We still got scars, but we, these, we are the new wounded healers that, that, that are not afraid to have the conversation who is going back and say, that was me, that was me. That's why I'm so passionate about this because that was me. And I know what it felt like, and I know how this journey has been. And, and I, I now recognize and I could see who was really there, that there was a support system. There were people around me, but I just didn't want to be healed. I didn't want to be bothered. I wanted to, I wanted to clam up. I wanted, no one gave me permission to grieve. And wow. so what, so what do we say to the people? We say, you have permission to grieve. Sometimes that's all people really want. That's the beginning. That's the first stage of healing is to give people permission to be upset. Give people permission to be angry with what happened to them. They're not going to stay there, but give them at least permission to, to because when they see everybody trying to say everything's going to be all right, everything's going to be all right, you know, well, they've moved on. Everybody else has moved on to the healing process, but them. And they don't understand why everybody's rushing to the joy when I'm still in pain. Nobody grieved with me. Nobody stayed in that dark place with me. Everybody just raced me to the light. Well, I don't want to be exposed by this light because I'm broken. And so let me sit in the dark for a little bit. Just sit with me. Don't leave me alone. Don't leave me in isolation, but sit with me and allow me to grieve appropriately. Allow me to go through my process appropriately. And so many times we race to the rescue and ignore that vital piece and bring people to the light too fast and wound them even more. That was me at 13 years old.
And so that's why I just sat back and just wanted to just listen to this conversation because I just, it, it, it touched my soul that, that God has raised up a generation of, of wounded healers right in my midst and said, see, see, there's help. There's help for little C's out there. And so thank you, Regina. Thank you, King Ken, Felicia, Robert, Derek, Chandra. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of this, this, this team, this process going forward. So keep the conversation going. You guys are saying a lot. Yeah, I just I saw Queen Felicia open up her mic, and I just wanted to jump in um, and, and apologize, Queen Felicia, only because I've got limited time because I've got international family here, so I'm just running out of the house, coming back in. Um, but the reason why I shared what I did about my experience of having my family here, who originally came here to to celebrate my brother who passed a year ago and to put a stone on his grave, it attracted uh, a lot of my international family here, but then they shared this story of the hurt that they held on to. And so as much as we're a close family, we're a very loving family, they had a story and they were rolled, rolled around me. And I never ever want to give the impression that, that I've got it all together. A lot of times you hear nice things said about me and everything else, and that's that's been true to a point but then when my family shared these things out as king Derek was saying i really was not aware of it and i said to them look i they said do you remember this i said no i don't do you remember this no i no i don't but i did want to address it you know uh, i did want to address it so they don't um they so they can walk away knowing that i've i've asked for, for their forgiveness that i can i can help be part of that uh, healing process for them because I don't want them to mention this and without me saying forgive me um, or, or me, you know, starting that healing process for them that I just didn't know. And so, you know, it was it was kind, it was, and it was helpful that my family, they, they, they came to say, you know, knowing what I, you know, they said, you know, he's doing this now, you know, he's doing preaching, he's teaching, and, you know, he's he's the guy that, you know, all the nice things that you might hear on Clubhouse. Because a lot of times I find a lot of people even on Clubhouse, we come on here, we paint this picture that we've arrived, you know. Uh, I've still got things that are working, working on and, and then through me. Uh, I always want to remain teachable. Um, I always want to be accountable and that kind of thing. So when they uh, when they shared that, I wanted to make I, I'm so glad this an opportunity was here to uh, share something that was related to the subject matter, uh, where I can say, well, funny you should be speaking about this su subject because I've got about uh, five or six, uh, and they're all females, you know, so they're my cousins, and they're sharing that how I was this horrible cousin of theirs and. And, uh, you know, they're talking about when I was seven or eight years of age, but nevertheless, that's, that was their experience. Some of them are still traumatized by it, you know. So it gave me, it was a defining moment where I can say, come together and say, you know, please forgive me, I didn't know, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so now we're starting the healing process. And a lot of times when we talk about rejection, rejection can piggyback on pride. And if we haven't if we haven't dealt with that rejection, we can come up here and try and show everybody that we've arrived, we're the greatest preacher of the hour, we're this and we're that. And and I say people don't do that. 
deal with their rejection first. Don't try and find uh, opportunity for you to be loved and accepted on even on the stages or clubhouse. You know, you've got to deal with that situation, deal with that rejection. And I always tell people, don't don't be in a rush to be a preacher and a teacher, because it ain't it ain't. I I didn't come into this kingdom with the W O W O W walking on water ministry, you know, where everything was just red roses. Uh, so that's why I wanted to bring it to the subject matter. And Queen Regina, I'm so glad that you spoke about it. But I'm going to yield the mic. I, I'm going to get back to family, but um, I, I really don't want to go back there because I want. I wish I could put it on loudspeaker so they can all listen to this. But um, it, nevertheless, it's been so good. Go ahead, Queen Felicia. Yes, I was going to call you. Go ahead. Yes, I I, um, I love what Coach C said. It was so deep to the point where it just made me have tears in my eyes because it, it completely it's so deep and just it's 100. If you know, like I say, 100, He it was straight 100 what he was saying because you know, especially when he was talking about not giving, not have, having that, uh, not having that moment of permission to grieve or to even cry out. And, you know, I can remember a lot of um, traumas that I went through and as a child, not getting that ability to actually cry out or having a voice, you know, and that had been taken from me. I, 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 really couldn't express how I felt. I just, and I couldn't really cry out. And I remember going into therapy and I remember the therapist saying that to me, you know, give yourself permission to cry. And that was something new that I had ever heard. I never heard it. Someone tell me that I had permission to cry, that I had permission to release or to, that I didn't have to sit there and, and sit in that. I didn't have to. And that entire time, I was sitting in the pain. I was sitting in that, in that, you know, what happened to me. I was just sitting in it. I didn't know anything different because since it happened to me as a child, I was, you know, that was the trauma. That's what I was used to. And my emotions, that's what I was used to. I was used to feeling depressed. I was used to feeling sad and crying in because I never cried out. I always cried in because I didn't want my tears to be shown. I didn't want, you know, people to see that I was crying because I was strong. And that's all I'd ever known. And it's so important, you know, and it's so important to address it and to even even as a friend, as a as a sister, as a mom, as a neighbor or just as a as a, a community, a person in the community that when I meet someone who has struggled with something, who has gone through something, they, they don't always necessarily show it. You know, you you get really good at wearing masks, you know, of changing them up and putting them on right. But it's important to, you know, it's okay to cry it out. Give yourself that permission. It's okay. That happened to you. And that was, that was hard. And then you went through that. And yes, that was, that was horrible what happened to you. And another thing, and this is something that as I got older, I wish that someone would have done for me. But even if it's not the perpetrator, the person who did it, you know, having that person, even, you know, a male figure stepping in and saying, you know, I'm sorry that, I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry that you went through that. I'm sorry that someone violated you that way and took that from you. It, it is a form of healing to hear those words, even if it isn't from the person, but to hear the sorry, to hear the, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, even a hug or even something that will just kind of reassure you. 
it really, really helps. It, it, it puts you in a place of, you know, you get that healing. But when you don't cry out, when you don't let it out and you don't release it and you don't grieve it, you know, you're just constant. It's just there and it's there and it's there and you're just sitting in it. And the, and the older you get, you grow with that trauma. And I brought a lot of the things when I was a kid into my adulthood, even into my marriage. There was things that affected me in my marriage when it came to my husband. And I had to learn. I had to learn through therapy and counseling that I had to do that for three to about four or five years that I was in counseling and therapy altogether. And I had to learn how to move through that. And every day, like King Ken was saying, it's not, I don't ever want anybody even to think of myself as having it all together because I don't. There are still days that I have to really work through it. There are still days where I have to really look and say, look what the Lord has done for me where he has brought me from. I'm not there. I'm not where I used to be. I'm a total new creation. I'm a new person. But it doesn't mean that I don't deal with things. It just means that I'm walking through it with the Lord holding my hand. And uh, one more thing I also want to say to what Queen um, Chandra was saying about no one checked on me. No one no one made sure I was okay. And, and it even goes to what Coach C was saying. Uh, there was a lot of times that I felt that way, but it really, when Coach C was talking about that, that the support was there all along. You just couldn't see it because of the pain. Well, there was instances where I did feel unsupported, but because it wasn't because I guess maybe I didn't have anybody there, maybe as a child, but as I got older, I did have support. I just wasn't really seeing it because of the pain, because of what I had gone through. I was just in this slumping mode of just feeling like no one cares, you know, I feel like trash. I feel like, you know, I'm just another body in this world, you know, and that's, and I felt that way, but, you know, through the healing and through the process that I have been walking in, uh, I'm not saying I'm done because <laughs> we're all still, you know, a walking process. We're walking processes. But what I'm saying is that I see things so much more differently now than I did back then. And that was because there was so much pain and God has erased a lot of the pain so that I'm able to see better. And I'm able to experience things a little better. So, yeah, that's my share. This is so good. I'm excited that I'm in this room. It, this is so good. This is therapy, y'all. This is God's hand. This is his love, his mercy, his grace, his faithfulness, all in this room. And so I'm so grateful for his presence in this room and for this topic. It's just, it's so healing. Yes. One of the things that I learned the most in my pain and in my trauma was that God allows us to feel pain. All right, let me let me let me preface that our suffering is a sign of God's love for us as humans. Let me explain it better. Let's take an example of Adam and Eve. Remember Adam and Eve when they were found to have consumed that forbidden fruit the infection along with the sickness came after that. And then cursed is the ground for thy sake. Genesis 3.17, it said, cursed is the ground for thy sake. We should all remember that he did not say it was for their punishment. It was for thy sake. So instead, he specifically mentioned that it was for your sake, for your welfare. What are you saying, God? I'm saying pain is a sign from God that there is something wrong and it requires fixing. 
What are you saying, Big C? Pain is a resource. And so we have to learn to look at our, our pain from a different perspective. Of course, you're not going to see it when you hurt. You're not going to see it when you're angry. But in reflection, and when you get to that place of wholeness, God reveals through that relationship with you that why. And he says, son, your pain was a resource. Even medical science has emphasized the importance of pain over and over again. There, there was a famous missionary that I talk about in my book, Purpose in the Pain, uh, Dr. Paul Brand. He had worked with people affected by leprosy. And when talking about it, he called this phenomenon a tragedy, leprosy. And he said, according to him, pain is a valuable resource that indicates and directs medical professionals and healthcare providers in formulating a treatment plan to eradicate the root cause of that disease that was causing people pain. And he went as far as say that he had, if he had been given the power to eliminate pain, he would choose not to exercise it because pain was far too valuable. I want you to think about that. Your pain is far too valuable for God to eradicate it because no teaching, no growth can come without that pain. Pain is what transforms our lives into that godly image that we're striving for. It's an indicator that something isn't right and it requires some type of correction. I want you to just, just think about your life. If you did not feel physical or emotional pain, it would not motivate you to go get checked. If you can't feel it, you don't even need to know you get you need to be checked. So I thank God for my pain. I thank God for those circumstances because there is no other red light that's going to tell me, hey, you need to go check this out. And we have moved into this society, you know, I like to call it the medication generation, because instead of trying to go to the solution and eradicate the cause, we opt out for these immediate solutions or things that might take the edge away from the pain. And, and our goal is not to take the edge away from the pain, right? You know, we got to go through the pain. We got to go through the grieving instead of working on, you know, processing it all. What I did when I was young, I just chose to lash out and isolate myself. That is not the answer. And that's what the people around us are doing there. If they can't medicate themselves, they're going to try to lash out at somebody and they're going to isolate themselves. And that's exactly where the devil wants us in isolation. And so I am just glad that on my journey, I was able to finally confront the pain and give myself some empathy, just the same empathy that I have learned over the years to give other people. I'm proud to say I give it to myself now. And so if that's you and you give everybody else empathy around you, but you don't give it to yourself, I challenge you as you journey along your, your, your journey of healing, your journey to wholeness, it starts with confronting that first encounter with pain that has been suppressed all these years. Get it on the surface and then give yourself empathy and forgive yourself 
and then watch how God starts to reveal more and more. And this book was part of my healing. You know, it took me 36 years to heal, but God allowed me to talk about my pain. So this book is a form of my wholeness because I was able to finally confront that pain and then let God become my pen. Because he said, this book is going to outlive you. And this book is going to be your resource to the underserved. And so that's the power that hurt and pain can produce. It produces purpose when it comes full grown. And so my, part of my call, part of my purpose in the world is to have this conversation, you know, use this book. I do workshops, I go, uh, I do community work. I, I, I used it in, in my military career. And so whatever that thing is that caused your trauma, it has become your purpose. I'll land there. Thank you for that, Coach C. I did see you, uh, King Derek, and I'm gonna get to you next, and then our guest, Patricia, and then I need to bring us back in um, on healing and ways that we can, because there needs to be some practical things. When we stir the stuff up here, right, because I can hear in the voice, when we stir it up, there needs to be a way, there is a healing bomb for it. And I wanna talk about that. So you are in Mental Health 101 and we are sharing about kingdom principles on healing. Particularly this session, we'll probably have to continue it to the next one. I'm talking about what does healing look like? How do you get to your healing journey? And we began by, um, talking about some of the people that were healed in the New Testament. And we're gonna finish by looking at Psalms 139, talking about some of the dysfunction that we see, some of the mental health things that we really see in the Old Testament, so that we understand that we do have a creator who understands this and gave us examples so we wouldn't feel alone. So what I wanna do uh, right now is please go to uh, King Derek, go ahead. I just, I just want to say real quick, we need to change our perception of strong. We need to change that because our perception of strong has caused us more damage than anything else. When we, car manufacturers, there used to be a time where cars were built like tanks. They were built out of this, this this powerful steel. And the idea or the premise was that if the car survives the crash, it is a strong car. But what they found was the car was surviving the crash, but the people weren't. So now they make cars purposely to crumble to absorb the most of the majority of that force so that the person is safer inside. We, 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 we've been taught to, to put this facade on of strength that doesn't serve us. We think if something doesn't break, it's strong. No, if something 
something that strong breaks is harder to put back together. And so we got to change our perception of strong. We need to find out what God says is strong. And as a matter of fact, he told you, he says, where you're weak, I'll be strong. So he tries to give us that space, but we got to stop dressing things up with these church colloquialisms. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored and all this type of stuff. And we tore up inside. People ask you, how you doing? We give these program church responses. What about somebody asking how you doing? You said, you know what? It ain't the best day right now. But we're so afraid of what's going to happen if we say that. Oh, people gonna think I'm, you know, I don't think I'm not saved, or people gonna think me and you know, I'm in trouble with God or so, you know, forget all that. We gotta change our perception of strong to something that serves us. Because the, our perception is not serving us. Because I've heard a few people say, I felt like I had to be strong. Well, what is that? I think it's stronger to be able to, to come out and say, listen, I'm not dealing with this well. So I think we need to be careful and get a get a real working definition of strong that serves us versus one that hurts us. I land the plane. Thank you for that, King Derek. Hey, hey Regina, if you don't mind, I'd like to share something with you if I could. Um, let me just... Let me just see what uh, Queen Patricia is. Yes, I'm going to. Uh, she raised her hand. We brought her up. Queen Patricia, did you have a quick question or share? I I just have a share. Thank you for allowing me into your room. Um, God bless you, um, Brother Ken, King Ken. Um, I was just really piggybacking off of Felicia because some of the things that she said, it kind of... Um, brought me back to my childhood um i just want to say let me uh, let me just say one thing first let me just say this not by mind not by power but by his spirit said the lord you know pain is real but healing is the best way to use God's word and constantly use God's word because he said that he would he will heal us he was the one that was he was the 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 person that was cursed on the tree for our healing we were redeemed from the curse of the law and i just want to say that I struggled the same way and I'm 60 years old now and um, honestly I kind of really be thanking God for the pain because it allows me to keep myself in worship I have to talk to him I have to tell him and I have to ask him for direction his wisdom and it's love. And another good thing about being in pain or going through the pain or speaking about the pain, the most thing that I found out and which was um, something that um, King Derek touched on 
um, if you talk, because the enemy wants you to isolate yourself. He wants you to shut up. He don't want you to speak about it because if you begin to tell your story, which the word of God says, we overcome by the words of our testimony. So I just wanted to encourage this room that we we know we can we can bring up the pain we can talk about the pain but we can also talk about our savior which is jesus christ who saved us from all these things because everybody got some issues everybody sitting up on this stage got an issue or issues but praise be to god that he is he is our redeemer he is the one that paid the price for us so that we can speak and help others. God bless y'all and thank you and I yield the mic. Thank you, Queen Patricia. Go ahead, King Robert. Yeah, thank you so much. I just want to share what uh, King Derek was saying. I really love what you were sharing because I, I do think when you raise in church, I do think there's this like uh, uh, subconscious or unspoken rule that you have to interpret all feelings through a biblical character. So no matter how you feeling, if you gotta find somebody in the Bible and if you can't, you know, you, you just keep how you actually feel to yourself. And, 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 and I believe it comes from the fear of being judged. You know, you can't just say, you know, I ain't doing well. You know, you gotta say, you know, uh, well, uh, God is gonna come through. Well, we, we, we're not, questioning the 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 power of god in this moment we're talking about your feelings and 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 i do believe it really is a cancer in the body of christ to assume that just because you don't feel well that means somehow the power of god isn't operating in your life and i see this so much uh you know i raised my mom my mom is safe i don't know like maybe 50 years <laughs> it's like I got to ask my mom one day how long she's been saved. But I know the church she joined, she joined in the 70s, and I was born in 84. And, uh, you know, my mom, she's one of those people that, I mean, she will get a shirt off your back. She helps everybody. She's 65 years old, and uh, she still helps one of the church mothers who's 90 years old, go over her house uh, once a week, take care of her, give her food. Uh, she is like the strength of so many people. And one thing that always aggravates me is I tried to have honest conversations with my mom about her codependency. And what's sad is in many of the situations, my mom can't see her issue with codependency. And, uh, and every time I talk to her about it, it's like she finds a scripture to, to, to like suppress how she actually feels. She is, it, it's, Man, it's just so unfortunate because it's like she feels like I need to put others' feelings before mine, and that is serving God. And I used to do the same thing. And and, and on the surface, it it it, it's, it looks so biblical. And uh, and I and I had a conversation with my mom yesterday, and I really believe it's starting to get through because my mom, you know, had a, a honest moment, and she was just like, you know, yeah, sometimes, you know, I do want to do stuff for myself. It's like she feel bad to say no. And the sad part about it is some people who are manipulators know that. 
so they attempt to make her feel bad. And, and I'm just sharing that just to say, sometimes we're afraid of judgment of why we just can't be honest with ourselves. But let me tell you something, when you just be honest, it's like, you know, I ain't feeling well. And go through those emotions of judgment when somebody do judge you like, oh man, I thought you were strong. And I think it was somebody uh, said something earlier. They was like, uh, I think it was you coach C about people expect you to be strong. And that happens with me a lot of times. And I ain't gonna lie, sometimes it's a little frustrating. People look at me like, oh man, he's straight. You know, he always pointing to people. And uh, and I know my wife and I talked about that one time. And by the grace of God, I had to realize that and not take that personal. So I think a lot of times when we are not at a healthy place emotionally, we misinterpret people's uh how they perceive you, we take it wrong. Like, for example, you could take somebody not calling you as they don't care about you. But again, they may just think, man, you always up. You always strong. I'm the one need you to pray for me. Uh, and, and, and that does happen, especially with a lot of church leaders, a lot of pastors. And that's really why I really, you know, uh, love to be in a space like this, because I do believe this is the moment where the body of Christ really needs to be have honest conversations about mental health and get serious about it and not just say, just find a scripture to throw on top of what you're going through as if to make it okay. So I just want to share that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I'm really conscious about the time, but I, we can't just close without just talking about how do you heal how do you begin that and so i'm going to share um we're going to talk from psalms 139 and we're definitely going to have to have a part two on this conversation next week uh, because there are still um, some topics that i i know that we need to share and touch on so if you go to psalm 139 one of the important things that I learned on this journey with um, the healing or the mental health that I had is that I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't have a support system um, because there are people that love you, but always knowing the right timing, the, the things that I went through you you can't really talk to that to just anybody and um and i think we we have to be cautious about pain i i want to address this thing about pain but i i think we need to do this first because <clears throat> yeah let's just go to what psalms 139 the whole platform for the conversation um okay um the whole, the whole platform for mental health that dominates, that you are remarkable is about, is that I wanted people to understand that there is the miraculous with our creator that we don't tap into. And when I say the miraculous, miraculous meaning that there are supernatural or things that we cannot put our hands on to explain or describe, or we could never do in our own strength, and yet they happen for us. 
And so what I have learned, and this is not a churchy saying that I'm saying to you, is that your creator can be the only person you need for healing. Now there's a difference. I'm not talking about purposely isolating yourself. But what I'm saying is allow yourself to step into the miraculous of understanding that there is a supernatural, all-powerful creator who can manifest himself in your room, in your life, in your heart. That is the only reason that I can be here where I am with you because there is no body there's no amount of counseling, therapy, talking, medication that can put me in the situation where I am talking to you right now. Those of you who have followed me, you'll see sometimes throughout the week I go into this DID room, which is a room started by uh, a person who has dissociative identity disorder and only people who have it go into that room. There are certain times that they open it up to the public and they'll say loved ones or public or something like that. But most of the time it's a safe place for people with DID to come and talk and share and have that space. But what I realized being in that room, what I realized um, reading the material, if you've ever done any Google searches on MPD, multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder, very few, very, very, very few do you see unified. Most of them choose to live with their alters, with their personalities. And some have found they're able to function. Some are not. And so when we talk about pain and living with that pain, I'm going to push back on that because that means that you need that pain to remind you to have relationship when there should not need to be, there should never need to be a reminder to have a relationship with your creator, right? If you're married and you live with someone or you have children, you don't have to remember to come home. You don't have to remember to pick them up from school, unless you've had a busy day and things like that. You know, you, you get distracted. But when you go to bed every night, your spouse is with you, unless you're traveling or something like that. When you get up in the morning, you got to feed the kids. you got to do those things. We do that because we can physically see. We can physically deal with our senses are there. We hear them talking, arguing, yelling. We feel their touch, their hug, their love of a spouse. And so we know we are, need to be present with them. What I'm trying to tell you is this, there is a walk with your creator that can be that exact same way. And I believe that everything in our scriptures tell us that. I believe that everything that Yeshua HaMashiach, that Jesus Christ did when he walked through, was to show us, because we physically needed to see something to remember because the people had gotten so far away. Do you remember when God used to walk in the garden to meet with Adam and Eve. That is not some oogie boogie, like frost, like something that we cannot touch. 
when he said he walked and they could talk and commune with him, that is how we are supposed to live. That is how we are supposed to live with our creator. And to us, it may seem out of reach or not necessary, but that is how we are designed for him to walk in our prayer. If he cannot come and walk through your house and you not know that he arrived, that you can't sit and set time with him and say, listen, I need you. And I'm trying to tell you from my own personal walk with something that does not just magically get healed. You know, you can break your bones and reset them yourself and, you know, they kind of heal and you're okay or they could heal really good. You can cut yourself, you know, and it'll heal and even the scar might disappear. But what was going on with me was not something that people come to the place that you see me at right now. And so I want to tell you the way that I got there, the way that all of us can get there, is to know that he knows, is to know that you can talk to him, to know that he can come and walk in through your bedroom. He can walk in the, sit with you in the car. He can be with you in the kitchen. He is so real. It was always meant to be that way. And the reason we have uh, community groups and support groups and, and all of these things, because we've moved away from tribe living We've moved away from depending on each other as a community. We've moved away from knowing what it meant to have the presence of God and walk in the garden and talk with him. And so pain comes because we're, it's trying to tell us something. And I get that. I don't want the pain to go away. But don't ever make pain your crutch. Don't ever make it so that's what reminds you to pray. That's the wrong thing to it. The love of your creator should be that you want to be with him, that you want to talk with him, that he has been so faithful. And so I love Psalms 139. I tell everyone, memorize it, memorize it, know it, read it, study it. Because when you know that it's, when David said, oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Haven't we been sitting here talking about that people don't see us, that they don't know what's going on, that they didn't ask us how we're doing. And believe me, I'm not coming or mocking anybody. I'm pointing out our natural response is to say, who's acknowledging, who knows what I'm going through. And I believe you should talk. And in Deuteronomy 6, it talks about talking. We're going to get to talking because we're definitely going to have to have a part two to finish these thoughts. But I'm telling you, verse 2 says, You know when I sit down or stand up. I'm reading from the, the NLT version. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. Listen, there is some one who knows you, who can see that you're not strong, who can see that you're in pain, can see things that are coming up. You want miraculous? Walk into how your relationship with him was always supposed to be. What I had to learn how to do 
And one of the things that, um, that he would say to me is he would say, Regina, I'm only a breath away. You need me, you just breathe and I'm there. It took me a while to get to that place to where I could close my eyes and say, Yehovah, and he was there. That's not conjuring up. That is because we had a relationship. That's because that is what he always, he never wants to leave us, right? And yes, you have the Holy Spirit in you. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about understanding that your creator knows you. Verse four says, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Jehovah. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful to me, too great for me to understand. Listen, wherever you are, whatever it is that you're going through, there is someone who sees you. And that's what we all wanted. That's what we always wanted. I would have conversations with God like, how could you leave me? How could you let those things happen to me? How? Why? And, you know, it came to a place when he's like, well, what made you think that I ever left you? He's like, I'm omnipresent. I'm every, what, what made you think that I left you? Now people have evil and free wills and things that they do, but I didn't leave you. What kind of God would I be when something terrible happens to you that I leave? And so what was it in my mind that made me think that when evil showed up, it was just too much for God and he had to leave? Now, as a child, I was like, you should have rescued me. You should have made that stop. And so I understand what, what people mean about your pain and writing your story and your purpose. I get all that in support of all that. But I want to stress to you. Do not make it your crutch because if not, if you do, you will never be able to speak without pain because you will draw on that pain because you think that's, that's what gets you. That's what motivates you. That's how you connect to other people. That cannot be how you connect to other people. That cannot be how you live your life. He did not design the pain for you to live and walk through that and feel in every time you breathe or you talk about the story it pains you it shouldn't at some point when you get to that place with him and it's different for everybody as we go along in these rooms i'll get more into the strat some of the things that i did where i was able to really commute he would come down and I'm telling you, because I believe the miraculous, I wanted miracles, I wanted him. And I wanted him to hold me. I wanted him to remove the pain. I wanted him to talk to me, to comfort me, to run his hands through my hair. All the things that we think that only humanity can do for us. We are wrong. There is, he knows. In verse, this used to be one of my favorite verses when I was in, when I was in junior high. Who picks this as a favorite verse? I'm going to get to it in just a second. 
And it says in verse five, it says, you go before me and follow me. How is that? How does he go before you and follow you and place your hand of blessing on me? Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. This was the verse. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave or to hell, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I'm going to stop here because it, the hour is late and we're going to pick it up next week. But I want all of you to take time to really meditate in Psalm 139 and to look for the miraculous in your life where your father, your creator walks with you. He is the only crutch that you need. You want to live and be able to tell your story and talk without pain? That is possible. And what happens is we need to know that he's real, that he can do all of that for you. I stand here before you as a living witness that that is how I got to this place. And that is what I believe passionately. So that if we would depend on him completely, I am not talking about ignoring people, isolating people. I'm not talking about not talking about your feelings. Please hear me. What I'm talking about is you make him your crutch. He'll bring the support system when you need it. He'll guide you through the things that you have. He knows when you're weak, when you're strong, when you're sick, when you're up, when you're down, tell him. If you got to pick up your cell phone and just talk to it, because that's like how you're talking to your girlfriend or your best buddy, but you just talk to God, talk to him. It's never too late to call him, never too early to call him. He is never tired of hearing you repeat the story. I used to be, say to him, don't you get tired of me coming and telling you the same thing? And he would say, no. I feel like, okay, never got tired of me coming to tell him the same thing about how I felt about this and how I felt about that and and it and all the pain, all the stuff that I wish some support group or somebody would help me through. And so again, please hear me. I am not against support groups and support systems. What I'm saying is make this your crutch first. So we're going to end the room here. Um, we're going to close out in prayer. What I do want to do just out of respect for my two mods, um, King Ken or Queen Felicia, is there something really quick that you want to add or say, and then we'll close the room. No, you're fine, Queen. I think uh, a lot of value has been added to the room, so I'm fine. Thank you. No, I'm good too. This has been, I mean, a, an absolute treat. It's been awesome. Thank you so much, everyone in the room. And uh, Queen Regina, thank you. Uh, love you all. You have a great night. Yeah, amazing room, um, Queen Regina. Thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you. 
And, you know, Coach C, one of the things that I'll always remember because I work in technology is the first adopters is always a small group. Before anything, really, it's always a small group when it's first adopters. So we don't worry about the numbers. So I thank everyone. Please, the link is posted at the top. Uh, just give me about 48 hours. I'll try to get this up before Sabbath. I'm a Sabbath keeper. I totally believe in rest. I think your body, your mind, and everything needs it. So if I can, I'll get it done before Friday. If not, you'll definitely see it on Sunday. Of course, the replays are always here immediately, but um, you'll be able to listen to last sessions and it would help support us and get the word out. If you would subscribe on a podcast and you would share YouTube and other things on your social media with your friends and, um, and talk about it. And that's how we're going to spread the word. So, Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity and this time. We love you, and you are amazing. Teach us how to walk in the miraculous. Teach us that it has been your desire from Genesis 1 that we know that we could walk with you. Teach us to, to trust in you, to rely on you, to make you our crutch, to know that you know our thoughts and everything, and you never get tired of hearing from us. It's never inconvenient to call you and to talk with you, and that you can come down and hold us and talk with us and wipe our tears. Teach us to live a miraculous life every day that supernatural of who you are in our natural that we have set time with you when we know listen my father's coming to see me i need to make time i need to prepare i need to get ready because he's coming to visit me and, I, and we're going to talk and he's going to comfort me and he's just going to listen and he's going to ease my pain i don't have to drain it he will take it from me and so I thank you for blowing our minds. I thank you for dreams and for visions. I thank you for the way you're going to speak to our hearts at night. I thank you that there has been a seed planted in their life that they would hunger to know what it means to have you walk through their house. To know what it means to sit and have a cup of coffee or drive to the store with you or to know that your presence is so tangible and that is what you desire of us. We love you, we honor you, we worship you, Jehovah. And we thank you for all these things. Amen. All right, Amen. everyone on the platform, if you would just bless the room and say good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. Shalom, everyone. Shalom. This room will end in five, four, three, two, and one. This is the end of our discussion for tonight. You have been listening to Mental Health 101 Lessons from a Survivor. We hope that you've enjoyed it and the great conversation with our team. You are welcome to join the conversation on the Clubhouse app please look for us under the Kingdom Collaborative House every Thursday night, 9 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
We want you to know that this has been done in collaboration with youareremarkable.org, a platform that was created to inform, assist, and encourage anyone looking to improve, strengthen, or restore their mental health in a way that aligns with Elohim, our Creator's original purpose for humanity. We hope to see you next week. Shalom. Thank you.